Summer is here, and we're as busy as ever at the DSR Network. Our podcast schedule has expanded to include the DSR Daily Brief, DSR Foreign Policy, DSR Politics, the DSR Spy Show, Words Matter, Foreign Office with Michael Weiss, Next in Foreign Policy, and The Secret Life of Cookies. To celebrate our expansion, we're bringing you this special offer. Through the month of June, membership is 50% off. Members receive an ad-free listening experience, bonus content across all of our podcasts, an evening newsletter, an invitation to join the DSR Slack community, and more. To take advantage of this offer, visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DSRexpands, all one word. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code DSRexpands. Thank you for your support. It's June 26, 2023, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Chris Cottmore. Our top stories from international outlets this morning. As the dust settled on the most serious challenge in decades to Russian President Vladimir Putin's authority, Washington and its allies struggled to make sense of a head-spinning series of historic events that saw mercenary forces race up a highway to within 120 miles of Moscow on Saturday, then abruptly turn back after their leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin, agreed to stand down and go to Belarus for an uncertain exile. Publicly, U.S. officials have highlighted the possible benefits to Ukraine from the chaos in Russia. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Sunday that the brief Wagner revolt and how it was ultimately, if tentatively, resolved showed cracks in the facade of Putin's authoritarian leadership. Officials in the United States and around Europe said they were unsure of what comes next and were concerned about the instability that could follow an effort by Putin's rivals, including Prigozhin, to unseat the president at a vulnerable moment. Tune in to Deep State Radio later today as David Rothkoff, John Seifer, Mark Polymeropoulos, and Shane Harris provide analysis and commentary about the events over the weekend. Warlord Yevgeny Prigozhin's short-lived mutiny over the weekend exposed Putin's tenuous grip on the levers of power, the disunity within its ranks, and the weakness in Russia's own border defenses. The ease with which Prigozhin's Wagner mercenaries were able to take control of Russian territory and march to within 200 kilometers of Moscow, and the videos of Russians cheering for them, showed Putin's regime as far from invincible. The question is, where will they go now? With Prigozhin out of the way, and likely avoiding all windows, doorknobs, teacups, and umbrellas during his supposed exile in Belarus, the Wagner mercenaries, 25,000 of them if Prigozhin is to be believed, will either go back to where they came from or sign contracts with the Russian Defense Ministry. But the Wagner mercenaries, who do not sign contracts, may not make much of a difference on the battlefield now. Wagner bought the Russian army time over the winter, said Mick Ryan, a military strategist and retired Australian Army Major General. But, with or without Wagner, it's going to be difficult for Russia to win this war, he added. Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shogu made his first public appearance since the rebellion that demanded his ouster, 
inspecting troops in Ukraine Monday in a video aimed at projecting a sense of order, as Russian media speculated that he and other top military leaders have lost Putin's confidence and could be replaced. Shoigu was shown in a video released by the Defense Ministry flying in a helicopter and then attending a meeting with military officers at a military headquarters in Ukraine. The video was widely shown on Russian media, including state-controlled television. It was unclear when it was filmed. It was unclear what would ultimately happen to Prigozhin and his forces under the deal with the Kremlin brokered by Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko. The state news agency cited unnamed sources in the prosecutor general's office as saying that the criminal case against Prigozhin hasn't been closed, despite earlier Kremlin statements. The Interfax news agency carried a similar report. Elsewhere, police in Sierra Leone have fired tear gas at the main opposition party's headquarters in the capital Freetown as voters await the results of a fiercely fought general election. The opposition's presidential candidate Samara Kamara of All People's Congress said on Twitter that live bullets had been fired at his office inside the party headquarters on Sunday. The Reuters news agency also reported that one person, a woman, was found severely wounded and without a pulse at the opposition party headquarters. Vote tallying got underway across the country earlier on Sunday, but results have not yet been announced. North Korea held mass rallies in Pyongyang, where people shouted slogans vowing a war of revenge to destroy the United States as it marked the 73rd anniversary of the outbreak of the Korean War, state media reported on Monday. About 120,000 working people and students took part in the rallies held across the capital on Sunday, state news agency KCNA reported. Photos released by state media showed a stadium crowded with people holding placards reading, The whole United States mainland is within our shooting range, and the imperialist United States is the destroyer of peace. Sunday's anniversary came amid concerns Pyongyang could soon conduct another launch of its first military spy satellite to boost monitoring of U.S. military activities after its first attempt ended in failure on May 31st. Nuclear-armed North Korea has been testing various weapons, including its biggest intercontinental ballistic missile, ramping up tension with the South and the South's main ally, the United States. European Union foreign ministers on Monday said an aborted mutiny in Russia at the weekend showed Moscow's war in Ukraine was causing domestic instability and undermining its military power, but stressed their focus remained on supporting Kyiv. The political system is showing fragilities and the military power is cracking, EU foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell told reporters in Luxembourg as he arrived for a meeting with ministers from across the 27-member bloc. It is not a good thing to see that a nuclear power like Russia can go into a phase of political instability, Mr. Borrell said, adding this was the moment for the EU to continue supporting Ukraine more than ever. Mr. Borrell said Russian President Vladimir Putin was paying the price for creating a monster with Prigozhin's Wagner mercenary group. The minister stressed the mutiny was an internal Russian matter with no outside involvement. 
but they also made clear it had implications far beyond Russia's borders. It would be absolutely dangerous for Europe if the biggest country of the world with the largest arsenal of nuclear weapons was to be shattered, Luxembourg's Foreign Minister Jean Asselborn said. In lighter news, Linda Elmquist of Tucson, Arizona, smiled broadly as she held her little dog aloft. Finally, Scooter was being recognized for his best qualities on Friday as he was given the title of World's Ugliest Dog. Scooter, a Chinese crested with sparse hair, a rat-like tail, and a tongue that just won't stay in his mouth, has certainly overcome challenges in his seven years. When he was just a pup, a breeder brought Scooter to an animal control in Tucson to have him euthanized. He had been born with hind legs that faced backwards, a condition that seemed to make it certain he would never walk. A rescuer took him home to give him a chance at finding a good home and a fairly normal life, reads Scooter's contest entry biography. With the help of therapy and a specialized cart, Scooter is able to walk and has no idea that he is any different from any other dog, his biography says. I am overjoyed and incredibly proud that Scooter has been crowned the winner of the World's Ugliest Dog Contest, said Elmquist, Scooter's owner, in a statement. If you have a strange but true story you'd like to share, please email us at podcasts at the dsrnetwork.com. The story should come from a reputable news source and be verifiable. If we use the story, we'll include a shout-out to the person who sent it. That's all the news I have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief. If you'd like more in-depth analysis of these issues, along with our sources for today's episode, be sure to follow the links in the show notes and tune in to our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief.